Good morning, church. And happy Mother's Day. So I don't want the dads to be sad today, uh, but, you know, happy Dad's Day also. <laughs> like, you know, every day the dads and moms are special. Uh, so uh, I also bring greetings to you from India and especially from West Bengal, from where we are. Uh, as I've like many times said over here, it's an area uh, where like it's a forest area. So just yesterday, my husband messaged me and he put some pictures uh, of a big leopard that was caught just you know, behind our church and uh, the forest department came and caught that and he just, uh, you know, put a video clip and the leopard was looking so terrible, you know. And for a minute, I was like, you know, praying, thank you, Lord, for keeping my children, my husband and my grandchildren safe. The same way I would like to tell you, during the last Two, uh, two to three years of COVID, isn't it great that the Lord has kept you and me safe? It's so great that we could meet each other, we could see each other. I thought I would never be able to come back to the U.S. It was in 2020, I don't know if Pastor remembers, I just sent him an email saying, I'm coming in the month of April, and he also confirmed a date with me, and that's when, you know, COVID was declared, and all the lockdowns, and uh, all the flights were canceled, and I wasn't able to come. But praise God that he made it possible for me today. So let me just uh, go into the message. The message that um, I'm going to speak today, since it's a Mother's Day, I have taken uh, the portion from the Bible which talks about a desperate mother. And that's uh, from Matthew chapter 15 and uh, verses 21 to 28. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Like, as I go through the message, we can read through it. So this is about a, a Gentile woman. She was a, uh, a Canaanite. So maybe my pronunciations are not the same as yours. Do you say Canaanite or Canaanite? Canaanite, okay. So she was a Canaanite, and let me just give you a few words about the Canaanites. So these... Um, Canaanites were actually uh, known as the enemies of Israelites. And you know Israelites are the children of God. And the Canaanites were enemies of the children of God. And they were the ones who actually, as we go through the Bible, we will see that they were the ones who taught pagan worship to the Canaanites. So the gods uh, that they worship, the Canaanites worship uh, the god uh, n uh, called Baal and also, um, um, you know, Asherah. And there was different gods that they worshiped. So they taught this idol worship to the children of God. And so they have always been like the enemies of the Israelites. They, they taught uh, the Israelites idolatry. So uh, this woman, she was a Canaanite woman. And here she comes, you know, so Canaanites would never come to the Jews for anything. And it was like, you know, they are enemies. And actually the Jews used to consider 
Gentiles, I mean, uh, you know, when they talk with each other, they would say they're dogs, you know. So today, you would not, uh, you know, you would not call anybody a dog, okay? But the Jews would call any Gentile person or a Canaanites, like, you know, they would just say they're dogs. Um, uh, so this is uh, the term that <laughs> was used at that time. Okay, now here, we, in this story, if you read this passage, you will understand, this Canaanite woman, she comes to Jesus. This is something impossible. They would never come to Jesus because they never considered Jesus as their God. They always went to idols for worship. Any time of need, anything, you know, they, they are desperate, they would go to these idols. But here, this woman, she comes to Jesus and she cries out in verse 22, it says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region, that region, and cried out to him, to Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So she knew something about Jesus. She knew that he was the son of David. And she comes there, and she cries out to Jesus and says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, because my daughter is severely demon-possessed. So the first thing I want to tell you, my dear friends, whether you are a mother or a father, you are a young person, you know there are times when we are desperate. We do not know where to go to. You know, we are worried with our family. We are worried maybe there are a lot of family issues that we have, or maybe uh, issues uh, at our job place, or um, anything, you know, maybe financial difficulties that we are going to. But sometimes we do not know where we should go for help. But here is a woman who is, uh, who is um, you know, who actually uh, is a Canaanite and worships idols. But she knew where she would get help. She was in a desperate situation because her child was demon-possessed. I don't know if you have ever seen a person who is demon-possessed. I have seen plenty of them, especially when we do ministry in West Bengal. Oh, there are so many demon-possessed people that come to us, and we pray for them. And you know... Those who do not know, I'll tell you how they behave. Oh, they would be so angry. They could break down everything. Oh, they would just pull their hair. They would hurt themselves. They want to kill themselves. It's because the demon within them wants to destroy this person. So they behave so horrible. They would, like when you pray for them, they would be rolling on the stage or just fall onto the ground. And oh, it's a horrible situation. You can just imagine what, how desperate the mother would have been. Now this mother, she comes to Jesus because she must have tried all her gods. She must have gone to every doctor, to every, tried every medicine that she could, but there was no hope. And now she knew where she should go and where she would get help. My dear friends, I wish we all knew where we should go when we are desperate. It's only at the feet of Jesus where you can find peace and where you can find healing. Actually, the same story is also written in the book of uh, 
Mark chapter 7. And there it says, this Canaanite woman fell at the feet of Jesus. When you're like in a hopeless situation, you're helpless, you would just fall at the feet of the person who's going to help you. She just fell and she was crying. But let me tell you, the next verse says that she did all this. But you know what Jesus did? It's written in verse 23. But he answered her not a word. Don't you have times in your life when you cry out to Jesus, you pray, and there's no answer? And when you don't receive answers, what's your re reaction? Sometimes we say, oh, what a God. He never listens to prayers. Oh, I better not go to church. I don't get answers to my prayers. What's the use of worshiping God? He doesn't listen. My dear friends, I want to tell you, our God is compassionate and loving. But sometimes he wants to test your faith. He wants to see if I'm quiet for a little while, if I don't answer her, is she going to leave my presence? Is she going to deny me? And that's what happened here. He was quiet for some time. And even the disciples, it says in that verse, the di disciples said, hey, just leave her away. We don't want her here. You know why? Because she was a Gentile. She was a Canaanite. And they just wanted the Jews over there. And actually, the Jews always felt that we just need to take care, you know, of the Israelites, of, of uh, the lost sheep of the Israelites. And further ahead, we, in the next verse, we do hear Jesus say the same thing. Jesus said, I have just come for the lost sheep, which means Jesus was saying, I'm not going to help you. Do you think he really meant it? No. I want to tell you, he was testing her just to see, does she really mean? Because she actually is a person who goes after different idols. She has her own gods. But, but does she really mean it? She's falling at my feet. She's crying for help. Does she really mean it? That's the only reason why Jesus said. Actually, Jesus was trying to read out the minds of these disciples and the people that were around him. He knew that this is what the disciples wanted. The disciples wanted to send her away. And he was just reading out their minds. But he was watching her. He had her closely watched the whole time, let me tell you. And then I want to tell you the second thing. So the first thing I said, that this woman cried out to Jesus, fell at the feet of Jesus. She knew to whom she should rush when she's in trouble. And the second thing we see over here about that woman is, even after all these negative things that happened, no answer from the God that she's crying to, disciples trying to send her away. But you know what she does? in verse 25 she worships him when your prayers are not answered can you come still come to the church and worship him can you still rejoice in the lord the bible says that we have to rejoice in the lord always it says we have to 
still continuously pray. You know, we cannot stop our prayer. In 1 Thessalonians uh, uh, chapter 5 and 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Keep rejoicing. You have any situation, keep rejoicing. Is that possible for, for us? But let me tell you, here is this desperate woman who wanted an answer immediately for her daughter. But no answer from Jesus. And then Jesus says, I have come for the lost sheep of Israel. You know, which means you, Gentile woman, I have nothing to do with you. And there again, it says she just goes to him and she worships him. So in every situation, however we, you know, painful our situations are, if we can still continue worshiping him, you saw how we were worshiping, how the worship team was rejoicing and worshiping. You think they have no problems at home? You think they have no issues at their job places? They do. But the Lord is watching how you are worshiping him. Are you worshiping him in spirit and in truth? And that's when, uh, you know, he gets aroused and he comes down to help you and save you. Now, let me tell you, um, I have a, a story to tell about, uh, uh, you know, my testimony. So I'm just quickly rushing through the points of this uh, message that I'm bringing to you. And now... Then Jesus says something which is even more hurtful. That's in verse 26, where he says, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. You know, because this is what the disciples and the people gathered over there were thinking. Why is Jesus wasting time on this woman? Send her away. Whatever healing or whatever blessings he wants to give, he should be giving it to us who are the children of God. And she is a dog and she should not be getting these blessings. This is what the people were thinking and Jesus just read out their minds. But something so good I want to tell you is the third point about this woman, her humility. I tell you, let me just tell you, if someone calls you a dog, you think you will stay back and talk to that person? I think I would not. Maybe you all are nice people, but I would not. I would think, he called me a dog. I'm never going to talk to this person. I'm never going to see him again. I hate him. These are the words we would say. But this woman, you know what she said? Okay, you want to consider me as a dog? At least can I have the little crumbs of your bread that would fall down from your table? Isn't a dog worthy of having those little crumbs that would fall from the table of the master? Do we have that humility to say that? And she knew that even that small crumb has the power of God. And that crumb is enough to save me and my child from that difficult, desperate situation. What a faith. What a faith. When I read this, I just think, oh, this is impossible. How can we say like this? But that's what Jesus wants to hear, let me tell you. And uh, you know what? That sentence of hers, that humility of hers, you know, 
I would say it, it kind of, uh, you know, uh, when something really touches you, you would just get up from your seat. I think he just got up from his seat and uh, he could not, you know, stop blessing her. He quickly, Jesus in verse 28 says, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you what you desire. Let it be to you as you desire. He didn't say many words, you know. I think we would like to hear Jesus say, daughter, oh, you're so good, you're so nice, I love you, and uh, okay, I'll come with you to your house, I'll pray over your daughter, and, uh, uh, you know, I will heal you. He didn't say many words. He just said, woman, you have a great faith. I'm moved to see your faith, and let it be as you desire. And you know what? If I was there instead of her, I would stay and say, no, Jesus, but how do you know what I desire? There are many other things. No, but I want you to come and touch my daughter. Lay your hands on her. And, you know, I want to see it. I want to see the healing. You know, that's what we, we all like to do. But it says, uh, you know, uh, in uh, John 20, verse 29, it says, Blessed are those who believe without seeing. We are all people who want to see something, you know, some kind of a healing, something. But if you can believe without seeing, the Lord says, oh, what a great faith you have. And then the Lord will give you what you desire. And here we just see what happened. She goes home. That word was enough for her. She just goes home. And she was surprised to see the moment Jesus said that the healing took place at home. She didn't even have to bring her daughter to the feet of Jesus. It was just the faith. I tell you, today, let us have that faith, uh, that blind faith. I would call it a blind faith. You're not seeing anything, but you have the blind faith in Jesus. And continuously, let us pray, and the Lord will help. I had various times in my life when uh, I had to go through uh, these difficult things, you know, and times uh, when I was so desperate, I thought there's no way in front of me, and I had to almost lie down or I would say fall at the feet of Jesus. I would kneel down in my room and fall on my face and cry before the Lord. The word of God says when you cry, not a single tear of yours will be lost. Uh, he will collect it in a bottle, he says. He will collect your tears and he will answer every tear that you shed. And this happened in my life so many times. I might have shared this uh, to some people, but still, there are new people, the story of how, you know, we had to go through various difficult times uh, in ministry in this place where we are. It's a different culture, a people with a different language. You know, we had to go there, learn their language, live in this place uh, where I said, like, you know, animals, wild animals come out every day. They even come into our campus, break our walls almost every year. So every year we've got to, like, build our walls and they come and break it down again and build your walls, and this is what happens. But in this place where there's so much fear, you're afraid if your children and your kids are safe. You do not know when you're going to be attacked. You know, our, from our believers, there were three of our believers who were killed by elephants. And 
this is something very common over there, okay? Being killed by animals or uh, like if the flash waters take you away, like, you know, we have a lot of floods and uh, rivers over there. So when you want to go to a place, you have to cross these rivers and there would be those flash waters and you could be taken away. I remember once when I was being taken away by a flash water, I was go visiting one of these uh, villages where we have ministry. We have to cross seven uh, rivers to reach this um, village. And uh, I crossed uh, the six rivers. And now this, there was the seventh river that had to be crossed. And most of the people the local people over there, they found that this is a dangerous time because, you know, though it was not looking like, you know, the, the big uh, flash water, kind of, you know, the water rolling, it looked calm on top, but there were undercurrents uh, in that river. And the people were not, you know, uh, they were not confident to cross the river. But I had no choice. They had choices because they had some place where they could go to there in the forest. You know, it's a forest area. And where do I go? I have no place. And it was already evening. I have, to, uh, I have to cross the river and reach the village because there's no way for me to go back home because I have to travel two hours to get back home. And uh, there was, so I was here by the side of the river and I said, Lord, I have to cross. I have to go to the other side. Uh, there are people waiting over there for me. And let me tell you, there was some problem going on over there. And I had uh, two of our missionaries over there and they had called me desperately saying, Auntie, we need your help. You need to come here immediately. And let me tell you, I just decided, I had a young, a small, a young girl, a teenage girl with me, and both of us, I, we prayed and we thought, come on, let's just cross the river. And we were crossing the river as we went to the middle of the river. Till the middle of the river, all was fine. And I was just thinking, it's just like, you know, Peter walking over the water and all those big things I was thinking. In a little while, the, the ground under my legs was just running away. Let me tell you, that's how it happens when there are undercurrents. You cannot be standing and crossing like this. You would be doing that. But when there's an undercurrent, you know, your legs would be taken away and you just fall down into the river. And it happened to me. And I just looked out to see where the other girl was. She was also being taken away. We were like, you know, floating on the water and for a minute I cried out I would say maybe like this woman desperately cried out I said Lord have mercy and I've heard stories of people being taken away by this river and their bodies were never got back you know the families could never even get the body back I cried to the Lord as I was being taken away by the flash water and I said Lord I is my ministry over? I've got to win many more souls for you. There's much more I have to do for you. And my family doesn't know. My family, actually, they didn't know that I had gone to visit this village. You know, uh, at that time, it was even difficult to, like in these places, you do not even have signals to send messages to your family. And I said, Lord, they, are, they won't get my body. At least the last thing you would like is at least say a goodbye to the body. I said, Lord, is my ministry over over here? 
And let me tell you what happened uh, as we were being taken away. There were many things. So I just closed my eyes and I said, Lord, I commit my life into your hands. I thought I'm gone, you know. So that was the last thing I could do. I said, Lord, I commit my, uh, myself into your hands. And as soon as I said that, you know, that desperate call, Jesus, help me. No one to save me. I looked around. There were no people who could hear my voice. I was so surprised. As soon as I committed myself, there was a big hand that came and held me like this and kind of dragged me over from the water. And there were all those big stones over there. Over the stone dragged me and brought me to the shore, made me sit on a stone. And for a minute, I said, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I couldn't, I actually, I didn't have the strength of even looking at the face of who this person was. For me, it was just like an angel who had come to uh, deliver me, you know, to save my life. But you know what happened? A little, in a few seconds, I saw there was another person who brought this girl, and she was also by my side, because I was worried about her. And, you know, after a few seconds of kind of, you know, getting myself to, you know, uh, coming to myself, I just opened my eyes and looked that the two feet were still there in front of me. I thought, let me see who these people are, such kind uh, people who could come and save me. I just lifted my head and looked up at the face of this person, and for a minute, I got shocked. You know why? Actually, there were two villages, uh, you know, from that village who had come to save me. But I got shocked. The reason why I got shocked is this face of this person who saved me. You know, I went back. It was like a nightmare, that face, because just a few months back, when there was a big issue over there, and I had gone to solve that issue over there, this was the man. You know, the, the villagers over there, they have these knives hanging on one side, and they can just use it anytime. They're always under drugs, so they can just use it to kill anyone. So now I had gone to this village, and there were about 20, 25 people who had come to actually attack me and to burn my vehicle which, uh, in which I had come there, you know. And uh, this was the man, this exactly was the man uh, who took out his knife. And you know, it was, that's a big story, so I'm just like uh, making it short. So he was right on my face like this to, you know, pierce me with that knife that he had. So that face, I do remember that face when he was going to, you know, uh, hit me with that, uh, with that knife. And the same face when I saw, I was shocked for a second. And then I said, how did you come to save me? He said, uh, he called, they called me Madam over there. So they said, Madam, actually we were about to cross the river uh, by our motorcycles, but we found that there were undercurrents, so we decided not to cross the river. And we uh, decided to go back, and both of us were uh, going, you know, we had started the vehicle, but we just looked back and we saw two heads uh, being taken away by the current. 
mind. And we thought, this is common. There are lots of people who die here, lots of animals being taken away. And we actually, uh, you know, took a step forward on our motorcycles. But I just looked back once again, and I saw, Auntie, I saw your specs. I saw your glasses. And I saw your forehead. And I said, this is our auntie. And he came running, grabbed me. And this other guy went and grabbed the girl. And when I heard what he said, and he said this, and he said, okay, bye-bye, and he was gone. <laughs> and, <clears throat> you know, I sat there, and I cried out to my Lord. I said, one day he was trying to kill me with a sword. He could have just left me in the water, and he could say, oh, I didn't kill her, but she was taken away by the water and she died. What made you, O Lord, to, you know, to speak to him and for him to run to me and save me? Immediately, the Lord, you know what the Lord spoke to me. I will save you through any means. I might use different means to save you. What I want to say is, the Lord can use your enemies to save you one day. And that's what he did with me. Let me tell you, my God is great. His ways are higher than our ways. We cannot even imagine or fathom what he's going to do for you. We just have to trust him. My Lord spoke to me at that time and said, you are not here on your business. You are not here to, for sightseeing. You are not here to do, make some money over here. You are doing God's ministry. And don't you think that I will save you? You are a soldier for heaven. It's my duty to send the angels to save you. I might even use your enemies to save you. This is the great God we have. My dear brothers and sisters, may God bless each one of you. Continue praying uh, for the ministry in India. You know that a lot of persecutions are going on. What Pastor Randy said is part of the persecution when they don't want us to receive the money so they can kind of uh, make the organizations to close down because if there's no funds, we cannot run the program. And so already last, uh, in 2021, 6,000 uh, organizations have already been closed down. Christian organizations, let me tell you. And now they want to see the rest. But let me tell you, the Lord has told us that persecution will come. It says it's there in the Bible. And we, he, God is just looking out to see, are there some people who will still stand through the persecution for me? Are they ready to die for me? And till now, that's the decision my husband and I have made. Let it be any persecution. Let it be a sword. Let it be anything. No money. No problem. The God of Elijah is alive. He will send his ravens. You know, we don't receive any money. No problem. He will send ravens from above and feed us. That's what we believe. I just want you to continue praying. This is a book, an autobiography my husband has written. I just have one copy, and I would be giving that to the pastor. So if you want to hear, uh, listen to some more stories, there are a lot of stories. So if you can like circulate this book in the church, you know, I cannot try, uh, carry many books. But if you come to India, I can give you plenty of these books. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you.
Thank you, Lord. We serve a God who cares and is able. He's able to come to your rescue. Most of us here have a story of the Lord's rescue on our behalf, his faithfulness. That's what we've learned. God is faithful. He doesn't always rescue us the way we expect him to do it. <laughs> he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't even always answer our prayers the way we tell him to. You ever do that? You ever lay out the plan for God and he's got a different plan? It's a better plan. It's a plan you didn't think of, but it's a better plan. So we trust him and we're so glad to have Aunt Grace with us today. Thank you so much for sharing with us. It's a great word. It's a great word. Well, let's stand and pray. I want to dismiss you, let you go home to your Mother's Day. <clears throat> Make sure you're at the right bar, the candy bar. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for our care, that although we were cast out, we were those that were excluded from the promise, but Jesus came and included us. He made us invited us to the covenant, invited us to the table. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us into your family, into your people. We pray, Lord, today that you would meet needs, just as this lady cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me. That, Lord, you would have mercy on us. And meet us here in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Have a great week. Anybody here?